With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's the pill that Frank Thomas is on there in the gym, pushing off on the girls working out? Uh, oh, is it? Oh, man, I don't, I don't know that one. But I don't I, remember. You haven't seen the commercials? Five hour, five hour energy. I'm not you know really like that. So. Frank Thomas pill. Hold on. Nugenics. You guys haven't seen these ads oh, yeah, for Nugenics? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Nugenics. So I gotta... And and guys, your ladies will thank you for it. It's like, whoa, Frank Thomas. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Thanks for. I think what's interesting. Hell out of my that... bedroom, Frank. <laughs> For a baseball player to break out, it, it it doesn't happen that often. I think basketball players, it's um sometimes it's these like larger than life guys, and and you see them and they're just wearing a tank top the entire time, so you really know what they look like. But with football players, it's interesting that a guy like Gronk is is a spokesperson. You see him in commercials, and then as far as active players, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers gets you know he has the State Farm deal. State Farm. The Cam Newton did that yogurt thing. Who's our guy? Who's, who, is it going to be Todd Gurley? You think? Well, I just I don't I, think does he have this on the personality? Well, you know who definitely is not going to do well is Jared Goff. I just can't see him in like a State Farm commercial no. doing a discount double check. You know, like it's like we we're joking. I mean, he would be great for Coors Light, but you have to lean into him being a whatever Goff is. You know, I don't want to say like a stoner bro because he's a little more. Kind of like you know, he's chasing butterflies down the street. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you could sell he's, that. He still seems very young. Yeah, right. He still seems very young and just kind of golly. Kind he's, of. He's been in three thus far. There was one right around the Super Bowl for Hulu that had a bunch of celebrities, but he was in it very, very uh, quickly. Then there was the Jared Goff Todd Gurley Pizza Hut commercial. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had this Foot Locker one that came out pretty recently. I don't know if you guys saw that one with Jared Goff and Johnny Hecker. Yes. Uh-huh. And Hecker. So he's, he's getting he's getting some exposure, but I think yeah, part of that is um, you got to limit the length of his uh, dialogue. Maybe yeah, he 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 needs a bit part. You don't want him to be the leading man in your commercial. Well, I, I got a question for you. Do you think uh, in the future, in the next couple of years? The most viable star on the LA Rams is going to be Coach Sean McVay. I think it might already he might yeah, already be that. Maybe guy. the only problem is Sean McVay is so rehearsed yeah. Yeah. that that's true. Like if it, like if you can you can already imagine like Coach, what do you think about Pizza Hut? Yeah, I got a lot of respect for Pizza Hut. You know, they just yeah. do crust well. Uh, cheese comes out. You know, uh, they've been doing it for years, and we have a lot of respect for the way they uh, put that organization <laughs> yeah, together. Like, I think if, if he did <laughs> so it like perfect. you do it, where there's there's a little bit of um, what crazy thing is he going to say next? Cool. But I think there's a level of him that is kind of like boring cool, 
where he's saying all the right things and he has the body language of someone who's cool, but it's so, as you said, rehearsed and scripted that it's boring. It, he's doing his Frank Caliendo version of John Gruden. He's doing the, the Frank Caliendo version of Sean McVay. He's playing himself. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yes. But I mean, if you look at, if you're talking about, right, who's, who's that guy going to be for the Rams? If you look, all their stars who, you know, it should be a star player, mm-hmm. right? None of them have the personality. Goff doesn't have the personality to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald definitely doesn't have the what personality about, to pull it off. What about I mean, Robert you, Woods, Robbo? What about Robert Woods? I was going to say Robert uh, Brandon Cooks is another guy who doesn't really uh-huh. have that outgoing personality to pull it off. Well, um, Gurley, there's only one answer kinda? for 2019. Marcus Peters, Blake Bortles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bortles. I mean, it can be Cooper Cup. I think Robert Woods would be viable. I think he well, he he carries himself well, but he doesn't have that uh-huh. that. It factor that attracts people to it. So all their stars are so introverted and, and they're not. Well, you know what? Guys. I think they're, if you make you don't have if you make Bortles a verb, you can do a thing where a bit of Bortles. I think I think the Jags fans yeah, have already be used that. Like, you, know, you got Bortles. Bortles it. And uh, like if someone kind of <laughs> is faster than you, like you know, it's people like reaching for like the last nacho chip, and like someone grabs it and just goes, "You got Bortles." <laughs> I think if you have a nacho chip and you bortle it, you you like drop the uh-huh. chip on your shirt. Yeah. You like ah, oh, it should be, so it would be like a commercial just, for like a spray and wash. Do you have? Did you do? Do you have bortle bad it? accuracy? You, spray and wash them. you might be bortled. <laughs> right. It's just about the charisma to sell pizzas. I I will say this. I do like the idea of Sean McVay doing it because I can imagine Sean McVay bringing like Pizza Hut pizzas. Got it. Got a new sponsorship, guys. They gave us some free pizzas here. And out of the corner, you just hear, <laughs> hold, hold on a minute. <laughs> now, now you, you signed with Detroit. You can't be in here, meatball. We can't have Y'all going to make me a meatball pizza. We'll a draft pick. Get out of here. Free agency isn't free. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Tershaw Radio. Hey, everybody. At 3K underscore here with Robbo at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's up, Robbo? Hey, hey, we're potting. We're again. trying. We're trying our best. We've we've been thwarted by my day job. We've been thwarted by my scheduling. And now we've been thwarted by technology. I'm pretty sure you combine all three and we're being thwarted by God. We're on a mission from God. I feel like uh, <laughs> one from the kids, Blues Brothers. Perfect reference for all you Gen Zers. Here with us, Joey, at LA Reams, Reams, Reams. What's up, Jerky? What's going on, jerks? Um, Here we are. It's now face April. Face to face. A couple of silver spoons. Free agency. Two episodes into Behind the Grind. Did you guys watch the last episode of Behind the Grind? You bet. I've seen. I all, think it's yeah. a well-made it's show. Very good. I think they do it's phenomenal. They work. do a hell of a job yeah, putting really it together. It really makes you feel like you are part of the Rams organization and part of the Rams family. Shout out to RBF. Yeah, you had uh, Andrew Whitworth and Mrs. Whitworth. You had Joe Noteboom and Brian Allen, and then obviously you had some uh, notes from uh, our offensive line coach Cromer. Uh, having to weigh in on some of these guys and a l- little sprinkling from Tony Pastors. We don't hear from Tony, uh, Kevin Demoff's deputy, uh, the two of them forming the contract negotiation team, which obviously they've been quite busy over the last couple months, uh, but I assume they stay busy throughout the year on that stuff. I don't know. What was your favorite part? I- I'm guessing yours had to be Andrew Whitworth bringing up Jared Goff, eh, Joey? You bet. The fact that we got 
old uh, old Jared on wearing his red jersey on the fridge of Andrew Whitworth. It really just kind of makes me um, happy that they have any form of connection. You know, it's it's the left tackle and the quarterback. You want those guys to get you know be tight, but also just the fact that I like the idea that Jared Goff has a has a positive influence in his life. Someone like old AW giving him advice, bringing him over for barbecues, teaching him how to be hospitable and what what beers to to drink. So Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Whitworth is 37. Jared Goff is 24. Here's the question for you, Robbo. Is Jared Goff better friends with Andrew Whitworth or Andrew Whitworth's kids? Oh, I think it's, I think it's the kids. Uh, I think it's the kids. And I think uh, he comes over, you know, on the weekend or during the off season to hang out and play and it's time for lunch. Melissa cuts, uh, makes some PBs and J's and cuts the crusts off. And she like, sits them down at the kids table and Jared sits with them. He's eating off like a plastic cars plate. Oh man, Sunny D score. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're, they're like, they write, she, they get called in from playing ball in the backyard and said, I, I can totally see that. Well, you know, you know, Jared drinks the, the purple stuff where they go <laughs> to the fridge and they're like, we got Sunny milk, D. soda, purple, purple stuff. stuff. And they're like, Sunny D. And my, um, in high school, my uh, all of us sat around a bunch of virgins, and we were talking about <laughs> how it was it was sacrilege that that they would make purple stuff sound like it was a beverage you wouldn't want, and then they would release grape flavored Sunny Delight. So they basically made their own purple stuff. So you can have your drugs. So what you're saying I, Sunny D is uh, hypocrites. Yes, the liars. We um we were gonna write a letter, but then we were lazy and we never wrote the letter. But we joked about it for a little bit. Yep. Like, do you think is is it is it like the references on Turk Show Radio where Jared Goff comes in? He's like, oh, "Whoa, what's up? What's up, Big Wit? What are, what are we watching here?" And he's like, oh, "Officer and a gentleman. Now that's a fine movie right now." <laughs> well, I don't I don't know about that. What What are you guys watching? Peppa Pig. Oh, let's get down with some pep. Come on, man. <laughs> he plops down in the beanbag. Oh, grand, Grandpa Pig always comes with it, man. Oh. He's like, but, the, but the guy really, I really got to see eye to eye is George. You know, I kind of feel like I'm Jake in the Neverland Pirates sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, was that too real? My bad. So we we talked about this on the on the last episode, but so Jared got upset that he, that Tyler Higby's pitcher was on the Whitworth refrigerator and his was not, and so Melissa. What was why? So said, "All right, we're going to put two picks of Jared up because we don't want him feeling bad." And they did that. So, does does Goff take that home with to Higgs? Uh, you know, hey, uh, we need we need because they're brothers. Bro. That's um, the thing. They, uh, they're the symbolic children right? of the Whitworths. They're like they're they're yeah. in the, they're in the bunk beds at night, and he's like, "I was over at the old AW's house." Jared and literally went to bro. Melissa Whitworth and Is was like, like "Yo, mom, I I know you say you love us equally, but there's." There's one picture of Tyler <laughs> and there's none of me and none of my artwork is on the fridge. And sometimes, I don't know, I feel like, you know, you're not there for me. <laughs> Come on, mom. It, 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 you know that's happened. That conversation's gone down. How many Stouffer's French bread pizzas has she made for Jared Goff? You let him have the last of the Sunny D. <laughs> I mean, I like, sometimes I want to have the last sip. <laughs> Why don't you sit down, Jared? I'll, I'll whip you up something and we'll talk about it. Okay, thanks. And then the door just flies open and you just hear, I'm Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Tyler watch French bread pizza. Higgs, Higgs is like the when the riff when he comes in. It's all neon headband and yeah, gr- like a, gelled up hair. It's like a poison video. It's like nothing H- but a good time. H Y G Z Higgs. Well, I was just going to add to the, the the Higgs idea that I think it'd be really awesome if they found a way to pipe into his helmet like a little bit of like music cues like so when he makes a play it's like kind of like the electric guitar from bill and ted's where it just goes and so when something good happens he gets the positive reinforcement of like hearing kind of like a happy like noise and then if he like drops a pass they kind of pipe in like a boom 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 or or does he get does he get like the the riffs from friends Right, so if it was like a good play, <laughs> Roger Saffold, John Sullivan, and Dominic and Sue, Mark Barron, and Lamarcus Joyner. Because yes, it's time for a little free agency recap. All five will no longer be Los Angeles Rams for 2019 and the future. Um, we mentioned we brought in Eric Weddle at safety, Clay Matthews at linebacker, and Mr. Bortles himself. He's coming to Bortle in Los Angeles. Blake Bortles, backup quarterback behind Jared Goff. And then they retained a bunch of players. We signed Dante Fowler on a one-year deal. Uh, the Detroit Lions came and tried to poach Malcolm Brown off of his tender, but we matched the mm-hmm. deal for a two-year offer. Mm-hmm. And then tendered a bunch of restricted and exclusive rights free agents. Corey Littleton, Blake Countess, Troy Hill, Morgan Fox, Kevin Peterson, Kadir yeah. Hodge, Dominique Hatfield, and JoJo Natson. And obviously, uh, most recently, but not, the not Bryce Hager. He's an unrestricted free agent who's yet to sign. And then obviously, uh, most recently lost Meatball headed to Detroit after they were unable to secure Malcolm Brown. What, what do you guys think about free agency overall? Were you, were, were you happy with the period? Are you worried that we lost too much in the the starting caliber guys that we had to get rid of and, you know, having to promote from within, at least at this point, before we get to the draft, Rob, go for it. What do you think about free agents? Uh, well, first I'm going to, I'm going to miss Roger Saffold's social media, uh, rise nation. Tweets. No, you won't. Uh, you're gonna, still going to just... follow him and you're going to, you're going to follow everyone. <laughs> And I you're going to know what they mean them. because you've definitely follow that esports league. And I need to stop talking before I prove I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, as far as what the Rams did free agent wise, um, I thought they did it right. You know, they didn't have a lot of money to make a big splash. They weren't going to go do it that. I mean, they could have made one huge splash move, but that with something like what, 14, 18, 22 <laughs> holes in the roster, they didn't have the money to do it. So they had to be smart with their money. Let people jump out there and make huge deals. I thought they were smart. And, uh, well, they got went all early, but they didn't pay him a lot, right? So um, that was a good, that was well done. Um, you can you can complain about the Fowler signing, how much they, they signed him for. I know uh, Sosa wasn't so happy about what they did because guys like Suggs and a few other gents, uh, Houston, they all signed for less. And, they, they, you know, he thought they were better players. But it's a one-year deal, so if you don't like it, you get rid of it next year. It's not a big deal. Um, and then Clay Matthews. I I don't hate the signing because I think he's instantly better than Sansom had become, and uh, you put him opposite of of Dante Fowler, and then you use Sansom as like a rotational guy. I think that's better, unless they use him on the inside because he got rid of Mark Barron as well, another starter. You, so he gives him some flexibility. You can play him at both spots. Maybe you maybe you mix it up some. You don't take him off the field. You put him at linebacker on third down, and you you play him off the edge or, or whatever, or maybe vice versa. Uh, so it's, I, I didn't hate what they did. I thought they were pretty smart with, with their limited resources. I thought they had an idea of some of the holes they had to fill. They did it, and and now we're moving towards the draft. So it's it's 
people were pissed. They didn't make a big deal, but I just think they played it smart. What do you think, Joey? It was pretty good. Well put. Um, question. That was my my, my ball. Like, <laughs> well, I, I do want to say something, but before your question, I want to just say that um, it really made me feel like they have some faith in their draft picks last year with uh, sure. Brian Allen For and sure. Joe Nopum. It really feels like they are slotted to be the starting offensive lineman and it doesn't feel like they're panicking at all with that. And it's just even by them appearing in behind the grind, it just makes you feel right. like, you know what? I think they're, they want us to, to get to know these players because they're thinking like they're legit and they're going to be John Sullivan and Roger Saffold, maybe not in um, right away, but they could grow into having, putting those kind of numbers and that kind of impact for the team. Of the two players, which one are you most concerned about? Like stepping up and filling in that spot? Well, I guess it's Allen because we just there's so many um unknowns about him. I mean, not that we've seen that much with, with no boom, but I think center's just in you know such an important position. I'll give you a really stupid three K reason that I like Brian Allen. That boy got a neck. That's a <laughs> that's a that's a big and it's not even like the Takeo spikes where it's where it looks like Mount Fuji and it kind of spreads out at the bottom. It's more just an even, extremely girthy. He neck. has a center's body. If you look at him, I mean, that guy screams yeah. center. He's like a yeah. ball, he's shaped like a bowling ball. And you know who he's shaped by? If you've seen the movie Inside Out by Disney yep. Pixar, he's shaped like anger. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I have a question of why have they flirted with having someone else play center or maybe having him play a different position. It doesn't seem like they're 100% this guy's a center. It feels like they're like thinking like, oh, we could put Austin Blythe at center or... Well, the main thing I'd say is it's only April, right? In pre-draft April. So, you know, Brian Allen is going into this as a second year uh, guy who didn't get much playing time. I don't know that he's got a huge advantage heading into the offseason program and training camp in the preseason over, you know, uh, another inside pick or uh, maybe a UDFA or somebody else that they bring in in the process that maybe like Austin Blythe starts to look really good throughout the process and into camp. And, you know, by the time you you get to week one, maybe there's a guy that outplays him. Not not that that's a knock against Brian Allen, um, but, you know, one one of the things that I think is important. I've seen a lot of people kind of, what's the right way to put this? Knock the idea of having backups. The the Rams had so many moves um, in terms of what they had to do this year. We talked about a lot how they had a ton to work on with um, the middle of their roster. Um, the thing is now that you've got guys moving up, right? Like uh, uh, Joe Noteboom, like Brian Allen, maybe like Micah Kaiser who might uh, get a chance to fill in for Mark Barron, you don't really have anybody behind them. And because of the unrestricted free agents, you mentioned Bryce Hager, Bravo. You know, the Rams lost those five and now six players with C.J. Anderson that we talked about that assigned elsewhere. They also lost Dominique Easley and Matt Longacre and Sam Shields and Ethan Westbrooks and Rameek Wilson. They've got a lot of guys that they've got to figure out how to fill the middle of the roster. And when they do that, I don't know, maybe they find a guy that's able to compete with Brian Allen. And I, I don't think it would be the worst thing that if somebody takes over that starting job and Brian Allen proves to be a competent backup, I think that's a pretty good situation to get out of a fourth round pick uh, moving forward, as long as you get the right guy to start in front of them. And you mentioned two names in, in Rameek Wilson and Sam Shields. 
who had a really big impact they were, on yeah, the on yeah, the, the twenty eighteen sure. season. If you think about it, they weren't starters, but do the do the do they win the the Packers game if Rameek yeah. Wilson doesn't uh, come flying down that kickoff and force the fumble? Um, think about how many times Sam Shield showed up on special teams, downing balls inside the five. I think he had two conversions for a first down from Johnny Hecker alone um, on fake punts. Um, he he was he was pretty solid in that special team. Bryce Hager was a leading snap guy and, and tackler on special teams. And so while you always want to say, well, you know, Bones will will, will figure it out and he, he seems to do it, yeah. it's coming back because that depth is definitely heading on special teams and the and the Rams rely on good special teams. So uh, you, you're going to have your – Bones is going to have his fingerprints on this draft and the UDFAs. Sure. He he knows the guys he wants to bring in to fill some of those spots. And so, you know, UDFA, they might use some of that signing bonus money for some of those guys he's going to need because they're going to be important. And you, you know how easy it is a lot of times to forget the how valuable depth guys are? Is you just said that they, they weren't starting players. But they were. Rameek Wilson started four games at True. the beginning of the season yeah, when yeah. Mark Barron was out. Sam Shields started two games. Remember when we had uh, you know, the Marcus Peters uh, keep to lead time? Mm-hmm. So th- they're not they're not your everyday starters. They're not your week one preferred starters on top of the depth chart. But it's football, man. You're going to have to go to the middle of the depth chart sometimes for most of the roster. You better have some decent guys there. And, you know. Last year we had it because, like you said, Joey, we had drafted a lot of those guys to fill in those spots. They're going to be promoted up the ladder, and we're going to just have to find some guys that aren't coming from free agency like a Rameek Wilson or Sam Shields. They're just going to have to come from the draft. And we don't have a second-round pick. So everyone's talking about trading back and getting a second-round pick. Yes. We're getting two second-round picks. We're getting five. Question, a simple question for you. Let's, let's do this easy. Did the Rams get better or worse in free agency? Go ahead, Joey. I think that maybe they got a worse. I don't know. A lot of that is mm-hmm. connected to the knee of Todd Gurley. But we did mm-hmm. lose a lot of players. We lost more than we gained. So maybe a little bit worse. What do you think, Rob? You are opening up a can of worms there, Joey, because a NFL national writer, Mike Tainer, suggested that they might have gotten taken a small step back uh, because, again, they didn't have a lot of resources to do so. So, uh, you know, they made those three signings, retained Fowler and bringing in um, Weddle and Matthews. And, boy, people were pissed that he he had the audacity to say that maybe they – he basically said if if they don't – Watch what they're doing this off season. They be con- they can slide yeah, back into mediocrity, which is not a, which is not a you know it's not it's not a, a big stretch to say so because a ton of the rosters turn over next year. So yeah, their stars are signed, but they've got a ton of guys. You got Marcus Peters at the end of his deal. You got Kim Tlaib at the end of his deal. You got Whitworth. You have to replace Little Tim one more year. Uh, you've got a lot of impact guys on your team who are not going to be around next year. So for people that you know get up in arms, oh, how dare a national guy? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Take your Rams goggles off for a second and just absorb what he's saying. He said he didn't say they're gonna suck. They, he just said you have to, you know, they need to nail this this year because of all that depth we've been talking about. And I don't, and I kind of defended him. I'm, I didn't see what he said was wrong. So yeah, uh, they they need to they need to do this right. Uh, now have they done it right since? Uh, McVeigh and and Snead have, t- have combined their forces. Yes, but they need to keep doing it, or they can slide back. I don't think that's 
you know, crazy to say. Will they do it? We don't know. I believe in them. They've done it right so far. So why wouldn't I believe in them? Um, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think uh, they they just need to they just need to. Here was the tweet. Get this right. Free agency summary for the Rams. The official NFC champion offseason plan: do little, get weaker, slide quickly into mediocrity if not careful. Those were her words. I think if not careful. I think the thing is if not what careful. he prefaced that with is the official NFC champion offseason plan. The problem for most champions is they've built up a roster that's impossible to sustain. You can't you can't keep a good roster without having to pay some kind of penalty somewhere else. And ultimately the penalty that they had to pay this year was not just the guys that they were losing in Dominican Sula, Marcus Jordan and Roger Saffold, but then because they wanted to be able to get some of these other guys, they had to find the money. And that came in the, at the cost of Mark Barron and John Sullivan. And that creates some uncertainty. So wait, what was your answer? Better or worse in free agency, Robo? Uh, slightly worse, yeah. but slightly worse from the Super Bowl participant isn't bad. It's That's, okay. Yeah. They're still very good. That's what I was going to say. Because, yeah, it's like, so take a, take a pill, people. You can you can be critical and still be a fan. It's not, so slightly worse is not 4 and 12. Slightly worse could be, all right, maybe they go 11 and 5. Oh my God, awful. And they still win that NFC West. They're still in the playoffs and they're still primed to make a big run. You can drink your purple stuff with abandon. I'm going to, I'm going to agree. I'm going to say they got a little bit worse in free agency specifically, but I'd put it two things. Number one, if you're, let's say, do the Madden thing where you quantify everything out of 100. If this roster was a 93, well, maybe now it's only a, you know, what, a 92, a 91, a 99. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it got worse, but it's still one of the best rosters, teams. We were third. We were third in NFL.com's power rankings. We were second on ESPN. Right. There's no reason to panic about this. Is there, is there this big event that's happening this month where teams can get better? Um, and that's the, yeah. That was going to be the second part is right. we've still got the draft. And and this is where, Joey, you need to start getting juicy for 2019 is I, I don't know. Between free agency and the draft, I don't know that anything is going to determine how much better or worse this team gets than how Jared Goff plays in his fourth season. He, he took a huge jump from year one to year two. He took a huge jump from year two to year three. If he if he takes another jump, there's not a lot more room for him to get better without being among the best, what, five quarterbacks in the NFL? He he went from being maybe top 20 to probably top 10 last year. I, I know that the Super Bowl left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and certainly people outside the Rams bubble. But overall, throughout the entirety of the season, he was a top 10 quarterback, I'd say. So to make another jump, you're talking about a guy that would be top five. Top five quarterbacks carry teams. Top five quarterbacks get teams wins that they can't get otherwise. If he makes another jump, that's going to improve the roster more than free agency would have anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I've been dreaming about. That's where all my optimism comes from, is that he is going to be playing like a top five quarterback where when the fourth quarter rolls around, everyone's looking at him and going, yeah, he's going to be able to score some points and get us back in this game or seal up the game or whatever he has to do. You have the confidence that you have with how many dudes in the NFL right now, but guys like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, especially with a dude like Brady, everybody just expects like if you leave any time on the clock for him to run an offense, he's going to score. And that confidence right now for Goff is, you know, a little sparse among football fans. I, I, 
Better than it probably was a year ago, though. Better than it was a year it's ago growing. when he had no late game yeah. wins. And now, whether it's, you know, the Kansas City game in the regular season, the New Orleans game in the playoffs, where he had some individual performances where you can put those wins quite heavily yeah. on his back. I, no I bigger think my worry about Goff yeah. is I, I, I don't want to just keep making excuses for him. And I think he kind of has a vibe of sure. like somebody who's sure. just unlucky. Like, he has this talent, but then just, you know, sometimes the accuracy, you're like, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard not to get frustrated by, by inaccurate quarterbacks. You know what I mean? You're trying to, you're trying to come up with a reason like, Oh, why that happened? It's like, Oh, well he was rushed. The offensive line wasn't giving him enough time or, Oh, he didn't run the route or, or whatever it is. You know, there's a million different reasons why a play gets blown up. And I just don't know when we're going to get to just the smooth running with Jared Goff and offense where you pretty much know what you're going to expect because right now it's mm-hmm. been, you know, this was a little bit of a topsy turvy season yet. Yeah, the numbers were good at the end of the day, but there are some moments of turbulence. When, I mean, when, that was the thing was when they were good, they were great, but uh, you, you come back out of the bye. Remember those games, uh, what yeah, Detroit, 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 Chicago, Chicago, the Philadelphia game. I remember he went off. But yeah, Detroit and Chicago back to back. And and because the offensive line didn't play well, I think that's been a big concern that I've seen from a lot of people is that the Rams needed a really good offensive line last year to give Jared Goff. And the offensive line was fantastic throughout over the whole of the season that when they were good, Jared Goff was good. But when they weren't, he was horrible. And if 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 the Rams are moving away from Roger Saffold, John Sullivan, we're all hoping Joe Noteboom and Brian Allen or whomever can step up and provide some consistency and above average play. But especially when you look beyond Andrew Whitworth in 2019, that, and you've talked about this, Joey, that, that if the Rams are headed to a point where there's any inconsistency along the offensive line, what that means for Jericho. If, if, if these guys, you know, step up and play, they could also just be closer in age to Jared. You know, you got two second year players. Yeah. They're going to have a relationship with Jared. They're, they're going to be on the same page where you got a guy like, John Sullivan, who's you know not that old, he was what thirty three years old, but it's ten years, you know. They're watching different television shows, listening to different music. I was gonna say, no more Andrew Whitworth dad jokes. It's gonna be little bros. It's gonna be Jared Goff's little bros. Yeah, I think the what one big step for Jared Goff this year that we haven't really talked about yet is with the Sullivan departure is making line calls. Who's gonna have that responsibility? Yeah. You can give it to a. a a, a first-year starter center who, uh, who who probably knows less about what he's seeing than, than Jared Goff, or are you going to put that on Jared Goff's shoulders, who everyone has said you know he doesn't he doesn't play quarterback anyways. McVay makes all the calls, and he's just a system guy. So this is that's an interesting part for me this year is is the the who's going to make these line calls? Is it Goff? Is it Allen? And how does that? going to impact their play because if they screw that up and he's under pressure you know then we're going to go back to well you know golf can't play under mm-hmm. pressure so it's it's sullivan was a whipping boy and rightly so down the stretch he uh aged and and the season kind of caught up with him but you can't take his cerebral aspect of the game out um a lot of a lot of good happened there and you're not going to have that so that's that's something to keep an eye on down the road as well two points that i would make um Number one is that there was a lot made, and rightly so, about the simplicity of the system that Sean McVay installed for Jared Goff in year one and going into last year, how much more responsibility Jared Goff got in terms of running the offense, where in year one, there was a lot of 
system use for location where, where pre-snap they'd be looking at the field and they'd say, okay, this linebacker is in man. All I have to do is watch him on Tyler Higby. If he cuts underneath Higgs, I know to go to Sammy Watkins over here. If he stays behind him, I know I've got Higgs unless the cornerback pinches in and then I dump it off to Todd Gurley or whatever it was. He was having these really simple reads that got more complex. College, college, everybody kind of saying, hey, I watched this guy and this my read. If he does this, I can just And not even – let's say he was going to throw to Sammy Watkins, not even looking to Sammy Watkins to see if he's open, just knowing that's the, that's the assignment that got more complex in year two. So I do wonder if that's going to happen again in year three, where there's more complexity and more responsibility and he gets to take over more of the offense uh, away from Sean McVay. But I also wonder, and this is where it gets a little, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's the after effect of the game is, you you could argue part of 2018 was Sean McVay's response to losing to the Falcons in the wild card round. I wonder how much of 2019 is going to be McVay's response to losing to the Bears and the Patriots, right? Where they use this certain this defensive look to contain the offense and it worked. How how much work has Sean McVay put in the last two months just to come up with a plan to get ready to combat that? And how much of that are we going to see over the couple? first months of the season while we're getting through the regular season schedule. Uh, did you see the old AW clip? Well, you did uh, with the NFL network. You talked to Andrew Siciliano yeah. and like, they, they talked about, yeah, first it was about, well, what made you come back? Would you have done it? Would you, would you have come back if stuff, if you knew Saffold and Sullivan were gone, whatever he's like, yeah, yeah. But then they got into, you know, you're getting ready to meet as a team here in a couple of weeks. What's Sean McVay going to have for you guys? And he was, you know what? I have that's that's part of why I want to come back because I love being around this guy. He's, he he talks about his game plan and his, he's always got a plan. Um, they'll have some kind of motto. He's like, but like he has not stopped thinking about it. So and I I believe it. I think he's a driven guy. He's not gonna. He, he's definitely not resting on his laurels. He's like, you know what? That was last year. Was last year? He's already said it every time he's got in front of a microphone. Yeah. Next year is next year, and we've got to keep striving and getting better and self. I mean, I don't know that. He stopped thinking about that those yeah. games, the end of the season, the, what caught up with them. Um, the worst game of the year for them might have been the Bears or maybe the Patriots. I don't think poor Veronica on vacation got more than a couple of nods and a couple of Diet Cokes out of him because I bet you the guy has just been obsessed with it. And that's what we love about the guy, right? Question, Joey, before we get to the draft, how sad are you about losing Meatball? Well, I really kind of uh, have an affinity for Tecmo Bowl and I kind of feel like CJ Anderson played like one of those um Christian Okoye and Tecmo Bowl where they're just yeah. in dudes and the defensive tackle oh, would just fly into the air and land like on their head and just kind of their body would be all crunched and they would do it to like just four guys just Christian Okoye the Nigerian nightmare you could just plow them through all the all the dudes, and it was super fun to to play. I'm talking the the eight bit um, tech mobile, the the um, the OG tech mobile, and that CJ Anderson played. Yeah, I kids. like it. He just this big ball of of menace, and I like that game. And I feel like it really works yeah. with uh, Todd Gurley. And I don't know if A Malcolm Brown is is um, as powerful of a runner, and you know, and mm-hmm. the, you know, and the my my fave John Kelly, he's he's more finesse. So 
I don't know what the good compliment to whatever girl he's going to be next season. Yeah. And I don't know if Malcolm Brown's going to yeah. be a nice compliment to whatever Todd Gurley's knee allows him to be. But um, I like that yeah. security blanket. I'm going to miss CJ Anderson. I, I do wonder if he's going to, if Todd Gurley is going to allow himself to try to be a power back or at this point in his career going into what is this year five, right? Um, if he's going to need to be a guy who's now starting to think about the longevity of his career, where he's maybe if, if after he's picked up a first down, he looks at it and says, look, we got the first down. I'm going to just move over to the side and kind of take this hit and go down without trying to truck a guy. But I also wonder what you mentioned. I, I do wonder what, what the roles for Malcolm Brown and John Kelly are going to be. Cause you know, I think we were all excited for him all throughout last year. And obviously John Kelly had a really fun preseason and it set up a good depth chart. And for the entire season, we felt great about it. Then Malcolm Brown goes down week 13, Todd Gurley gets hit, hurt week 15. We have to get CJ Anderson and everything goes off the track. So, you know, it, I, I, I do wonder having gotten so much out of CJ Anderson down the stretch, and the idea, I don't know how much I buy into it, that from a lot of people that were, you know, uh, trying to play down the idea of Todd Gurley being injured, they were really leaning into this idea that Sean McVay and the coaching staff really liked having this two-headed rushing attack and being able to force C.J. Anderson into the game in place of Todd Gurley, not because he was injured, but because they liked it strategically. I wonder if that's going to play to Malcolm Brown's, you know, benefit for a guy that hasn't had anywhere near the opportunities in his career that C.J. Anderson got in his absence. So when you say that, Joe, it kind of makes makes me feel like that that that's just like a coded way of saying that Todd Gurley has lost a step. Because if Todd Gurley is playing at op level, hmm. do you really need to think strategically? Like, is defense preparing for Todd Gurley so much that you're kind of going, okay, we're going to trick him. And we're going to run C.J. Anderson down the middle because they're not expecting it because they're right. prepared for this tsunami of offense from Todd Gurley. I understand that for a game or two, but when you're doing third or fourth sure. game and Todd Gurley is obviously not the number one weapon, then you're going to plan accordingly. And I think the surprise of, hey, were you going to give 15 or 20 touches to C.J., the cat's out of the bag come playoff time but they kept doing it so that kind of made me think like it was less strategic and more whatever the hell's going on with Todd Gurley's knee yeah I mean that's really what it comes down to is whether you buy it into the injury and if you think Todd Gurley couldn't be Todd Gurley down the stretch or if you think it was I I, I don't know that I believe it but I think there's there are reporters and obviously the team tried to lay that out there that it was not an, an injury concern that created that dynamic it was more strategic the dallas cowboys game cj anderson had 23 carries todd Gurley had 16 against the saints in the nfc championship anderson had 16 todd Gurley famously had four in the super bowl where todd Gurley had three carries in the first half he ended up with 10 cj anderson only had seven what, what do you what do you think, Rob, in terms of that relationship between what they were dealing with in the playoffs and now what they're going to have going into this season? Do you expect a, an expanded role for Malcolm Brown, who was only averaging, gosh, with this 128 carries through about 10 games? Or let, sorry, one correction. It wasn't 128 through 10. That's his career. This is about 40 carries for last season. So what, what do you think? Is that is that going to be something to anticipate as an expanded role? They, they fed him the ball 
I mean, they, he he had more touches than me in the league until he got hurt, or until he yeah, I guess he got hurt in, in week one, right? But it, until he hurt himself again, he was he had more touches than me in the league, and so there were. Do you want of, them to pull back on that? I do. I mean, okay. because if you look at Malcolm, he had a four point nine uh, yards per carry, the same as Todd Gurley last year. Um, he had uh, t- in the receiving game, he averaged ten point four. Gurley had nine point eight. Now it's all sure. based on touches, but. If you remember one of the biggest touchdowns of the year, Brown. Malcolm Brown no tight, tight roping the, the sideline. Every time he came in, you never saw a drop off with him, right? It wasn't like he came in and stunk. He, we were all surprised at how well he played last year. And I think if he didn't get hurt, they would see the Anderson story never would have happened, right? They wouldn't have needed to got him because he played pretty darn well. Um, and I think the reason why they they kept him is because uh, they trust him. He's been in the system for a number of years. He's great in pass pro. He's he's fantastic in pass pro, and he's a better receiving back than C.J. Anderson. I don't think they feel that we they lose a lot. Now the numbers dictate that C.J. just was crazy. He had a seven seven yard per carry um, average last in his limited games, but I don't think they feel like all right, Malcolm, someone we're going to have a, a lot of drop off with. I think they love him in pass pro. I think they love him out of the backfield, and I think they they're confident that he can give them what they need. Is he a feature back? No. But I think the one-two punch, if you give him, you know, if he's only getting, you know, six carries a game and said you give him 10, you, you drop Gurley from, you know, 22 to 18, and then maybe you mix in some John Kelly as well. Um, I, I think you can see a little more committee approach. I think you'll see John Kelly get his touches, maybe not, at maybe, what, three or four or five a game. Um, I think Brown will get more, and then I think you'll get Gurley in that, you know, 16 to 18. Um, we'll see how it goes, but I, I, I definitely think they'll dial it back, and I, I think they kept Malcolm because he's younger. They like him in the passing game more than they like CJ, and uh, he's probably cheaper as well. One thing I do, I, and I don't know, I'd love to see this get asked to the Rams in the buildup to this season, is I do wonder if like Malcolm Brown and CJ Anderson for his time weren't necessarily the backups for Todd Gurley, but more a complementary role. So instead of Instead of Todd Gurley being running back one and Malcolm Brown being running back two, I do wonder if it's more like Todd Gurley is running back one A and Malcolm Brown is running back one B and, and, and he's the starting running back for that role and they just have to figure out how that complementary role works and that John yeah. Kelly is the actual backup for Todd Gurley. And because he never suffered in his role per se – what the, what they really did was just up uh, up the that complementary role with CJ Anderson there, uh, and, and maybe to the degree that you know some people have talked about that drop that uh, led to the interception early on against the Saints, right? Where if 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 Todd Gurley right. isn't having that good output as a receiver, then the complement in in a whether it's Malcolm Brown or of course with CJ Anderson, who's not nearly the receiver that Gurley is, but is more that ground and pound guy that you can up that role that Brown and and Anderson are starting in. Well, they, they certainly did that in, this, in the playoffs, right? Uh, sure. You know, we up, they upped his role to the point where Gurley was riding yeah. the bike for most of the game. Interesting times, interesting times. All right, on to the draft. Joey, you've been actually looking into draft content. You've been watching videos. You've been reading mocks. You've been reading articles. Look at you, Draft Savant. What do you think? Who's going ninth overall? <laughs> um, I'll tell you that I have usually I would be able to tell you who's going ninth. I'm a little bit slow on my 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 prep for who the the top. I, I think I could kind of name. Oh the come on! You've got the picks. Bills needs pegged. That's all you live to think about. 
Uh, who's who's your ninth big guy? I'm sure you have <laughs> all of your Minecraft tattoo to your no offense hand. in Iowa. No, no offense, but here's the thing about top ten is top ten when you look at mocks, you can get some sensibility. I know Robbo hates the mocks, but when you look at the Bills, they got a defensive line need, especially in defensive tackle, because they've had some great defensive tackles leave over the last couple of years. And you know, a guy like Kyle Williams, mm-hmm. um, they still need cornerback help. Remember, they had uh, traded for EJ Gaines when we got Sammy Watkins, and now he's gone. Um, they could probably use more offensive line help, especially if they're going to really invest in John Allen's earlier career uh, as their quarterback. And then, well, then the guy from Florida, you get Jawan sure. Taylor. You could get Jawan Taylor. You could get Ed. All- I mean, the defensive tackle class up there is really good. Um, cornerback, maybe not so much. The only other need that I'd put maybe in the first round consideration because of what we've seen from these two guys is at tight end. You've seen these two Iowa tight ends that seem to be really highly thought of by the league, and Noah Fant and TJ Hawkins. TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, where I could, yeah, you could see if they if they buy into it. But they had tried to make that tight end, you know, complementary to their wide receivers in the passing game. It didn't work before, but I could see that argument getting made again. Why are we talking about the Bills? Okay, can I tell you my favorite name in Ooh. the NFL draft in the entire 2019? Draft? I would say no, just Drew just top Lock. prospect. I think it's I think it's a brilliant name. I love it. He's he's my favorite player. Um, Your going favorite player, just by just just going off going Sean off Gary. of the name. Greedy Williams, Greedy Williams, close, Ooh. close. I do like. I think Greedy Rockison. Williams is a great great name. But uh, um, Montez Sweat, Montez Sweat, sure. I thought you might go Hollywood Brown from uh, Oklahoma. You got an, Do you have a favorite name yet, Robbo? I got one for Montez me. Montez Sweat makes give me REM flashbacks. Montez went, bam, bam, yeah. bam. No, that was uh, in excess, right? Sorry, not wrong band, wrong shitty band. I don't, I don't, I don't have a, a favorite name because, uh, as you know, I hate all mocks, and I have, will not pay attention to a mock until about eh, two weeks before the draft, and I'll learn the names and I'll call it good. Because until then, um, it, mocks are dumb because nobody, nobody knows what they're talking about. Uh, they're going to get five percent of these right, and they're going to pat themselves on the back for the two picks to get the entire draft correct, and they'll do it again next year. So I'll study this. So exactly like the re- three weeks. exactly like regular season content. Exactly, exactly like regular season content. Um, I'll give you three names that I like uh, on names alone. Uh, number one, Ulysses Gilbert the third. He's a linebacker out of Akron. That's a pretty perfect name for life, let alone to come into the NFL. Number two, coming out of the University of Texas. Lil Jordan Humphrey. Lil Jordan was actually a pretty big star at UT. He's a wide receiver, lots of production. He's also not little. He's six foot four. But the legend of his name goes back to when he was born. His older brother wanted his mom to name him, his new brother, after his favorite basketball player, Michael Jordan. And the mom said, hell no. But I'll call him Lil Jordan. So his <laughs> official name is Lil Jordan Humphrey. That's his actual name. Is it, um, is it L-I-L apostrophe? You or already it know it is. I don't know why your Anne's asking me this. It is absolutely L-I-L apostrophe Jordan. Best name in the draft. My favorite. And he's a pretty good cornerback out of Boston College. His name oh, no, is Hamp Cheevers. Hamp Cheevers is not an appropriate name for the NFL. Hamp Cheevers is the name of somebody whose voicemail gets redirected to the country club. Yes, Hamp Ham Cheevers. Hamp Cheevers. This is Hamp Cheevers the fourth. If you're looking for Hamp Cheevers the third, he's in Biscayne for the week.
coach, you need me to go tear these harlots to get out of the way. We got work. I'll, I'll tell them. <laughs> I send. Go on. Go on. Get on, get on your way. <laughs> you, you get yourself to a church. Where, where the rest of your clothes at? That's just, that's a, that's a heresy on flesh. <laughs> Instagram, more like Insta-damn. <laughs>